Welcome to the Incession Film Podcast for June 30th, 2013. This is episode 19. I'm J.D. Duran. And I'm Nate Parsons. This week we are going to be reviewing White House Down, as well as discussing our top three movie presidents to go along with that. We're going to be starting a new series where we're going to be reviewing Gamoro Del Toro. And we're going to be starting off with Hellboy this week. And uh, I think we're going to perhaps maybe do Kronos next week. Some of his earlier films that Nate and I aren't too familiar with. But we're going to uh, get a little bit more familiar with him as uh, Pacific Rim's coming out. And I'm personally pretty excited for that. And we're also going to have some fun extra film segments uh, going on later. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. But first, we're going to do White House Down. So Nate, let's get into it. You're listening to the Incession Film Podcast, episode 19. Nate, the president, is once again under attack at the White House. And once again, somebody is at the right place at the right time to save him. Reviewing White House Down. But before we get into it, how was your week, Nate? My week was pretty good. I uh, finished up my last week at my old job, and in about a month, I start my new one. So, yeah, which should be pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah that would be very fun. So, all right. Well, we got some, uh, we got a lot of things to talk about this week. So, uh, let's get into our main review here. White House Down is directed by Roland Emmerich, written by James Vanderbilt. And stars Channing Tatum, Jamie Foxx, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Jason Clark, Richard Jenkins, James Woods, and a few others as well. So, Nate, what did you think of White House Down? Oh, White House Down. Um, I didn't go into this movie with a whole lot of expectations. 
which was a good thing because I hated it. Uh, I thought it was a generic, run-of-the-mill action fair. Uh, I knew it was directed by Roland Emmerich, like you just said. So, I mean, I know his films. What you see is what you get. Just lots of explosions, uh, stupid plots, which this movie had, but it was just everything I've seen before, and I just didn't care for it at all. The performances, which I thought the the chemistry between uh, Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx would at least save the movie if if the whole thing wasn't good. I thought at least that would be good. That wasn't. It was just generic, just same old, same old. Uh, they had some good, they had a couple good exchanges, uh, especially one that took place in an elevator shaft, which was kind of funny, but uh, there are few and far between, and it just it just wasn't working for me. Uh, the movie is just way too long. Two hours and ten minutes for an action movie is ridiculous. Uh, and it wasn't engaging. It was boring. Uh, it was slow. The setup uh, seems like it takes forever. The plot, uh, that the way they actually take over the White House was done pretty well. Uh, pretty plausible, I guess, by certain standards. It, I mean... I don't think it would ever happen in real life, but it was more plausible than uh, than the way they took over the White House and Olympus has fallen. Uh, but still, I mean, overall, I just didn't care for the plot. The only thing I liked about White House Down was James Woods, but we can't really go into him because that would be spoilers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sort of in the same realm as you uh, for this. Um, I I don't think this movie is necessarily great by any means. Um, I kind of am going to disagree with you a little bit, though, on some things, and I'll get into some of that here uh, pretty shortly. Um, but I do agree with you that the whole premise of this is pretty unrealistic to begin with. I think we all know that for the most part. And a lot of the same uh, issues with this movie is a lot of the same ones I had with Olympus Has Fallen in terms of the whole idea is kind of a joke, but if this is the environment that we're walking into, you kind of have to lay down those expectations a little bit. And like you said, the premise here and how they take over the White House is much more plausible and much more, uh, I was much more willing to sit through it than Olympus Has Fallen. And since they're pretty much the exact same movie, um, I, I think it's pretty fair to compare the two. Uh, which is a lot of what I did on, on, on my review as well. But um, like you were saying, there's there's so much here that I didn't really care for uh, either. Uh, but that being said, I absolutely liked this much, much better than Olympus Has Fallen. And I'll disagree with you. I, I liked the chemistry between Jamie Foxx and Channing Tatum. That was actually one of the few things uh, that I really enjoyed here. And I think it's what elevated this film higher than Olympus has fallen for me. Uh, the story itself is, isn't a ton better, uh, than what we got, uh, in Olympus has fallen. And in fact, if anything, it kind of takes a little bit of a playbook out of Michael Bay, uh, in his film with the rock. Um, but outside of that, um, that it wasn't entirely engaging to me. What was engaging to me was these characters that they kind of put into this aesthetic um, and I like Channing Tatum. I, I liked him in this role. I liked him and Jamie Foxx. Um, I liked how they were able to kind of play off each other. Um, some of it wasn't as funny, and some of it was a little bit predictable, and, and other times it was 
uh, I ha- it had me laughing out loud, and and I and I thought it was done really well. I think the parts that you get out of the trailers, yeah, maybe that didn't quite come off as well because I'd seen it before, and maybe it wasn't the best parts of the whole film. But I also there was lots of other parts that I hadn't seen before that I really enjoyed, and I thought it brought a lot of charm to the movie, which I didn't get in Olympus Has Fallen at all. That movie took itself way too serious and was very uh, amped up from the big from the very beginning where this movie didn't take itself very serious at least not the whole time in fact the first half of the film there's lots of jokes there's lots of times where Channing Tatum even in the middle of this craziness is throwing out jokes and trying to trying not to take himself too serious all the time. And because the movie was more light in that fashion, I had more fun with it. I think it knew exactly where it was and where it was going with. There's even some dialogue and some cheesy lines toward the three, three-fourths of the way through the movie or even toward the end of the movie where I, Roland Emmerich knows exactly where he's at with this movie and they're throwing those lines out there. Uh, to be light and to be comedic and to be funny and not take itself too serious. Uh, so in that vein, I would give this movie a much, much better grade than Olympus Has Fallen. Um, and I did for the most part. But going back to the takeover of the White House, Nate, let's go into that just a little bit without giving spoilers away. But um, the craziness here that I had with this, I thought it was a much more realistic, but with the amount of people that are in that building every every day, somehow they all seem to vanish, just leaving these pathetic guards for them to shoot down, which I thought was a little bit absurd. The but the execution of it I thought was decently well. But what did you think of like Jason Clark and his little gang on how they were rolling around to the White House? Was that even remotely interesting to you? Mm, not really. I mean, Jason Clark's a good actor. He's proven that, but his role was. I mean, anybody could have played that. They could have got some no-name guy to do that, and it would have been just the same. I didn't care about any of them. I didn't care what they were doing. And uh, just kind of going off the plot thing for both movies, I actually think both movies would have been better off if they would have switched premises. I think if Olympus Has Fallen, which was the more serious movie, would have taken the more serious approach to how the White House has taken over, as in White House Down, I think that movie would have been better. While if White House Down would have taken the overblown, far-fetched premise of how they take over the White House and Olympus has fallen, I think that would have made White House Down a lot better. I think they should have just merged yeah, projects. They should have switched because yeah. you know, it goes better with what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. At the same time, I like Jason Clark. He was actually one of my favorite parts of this whole film on a performance level. Uh, I think he does fantastic. And like you're saying, he's a proven actor. He's really good, and he's good in this role. Um, and I, I can buy into your argument. He is, uh, I guess, a little bit wasted because you really could have put anybody into this role and pretty much gotten the same thing out of that specific character Mm -hmm. Uh, but given the fact that he was cast in that character i thought he did a fantastic job though and he was engaging to me i think he brought a little bit more life to that character than perhaps maybe someone else could have done but i think you would have gotten the same thing across pretty much with anybody but i did like him in it and i thought he did a, a great job and i think the performances from jason clark 
and from Channing Tatum and from Jamie Foxx were fantastic. And James Woods was also fantastic. But like Nate said, we can't really go into that without getting into spoiler territory. Um, outside of that, I didn't really care for the rest of the performances. I thought a lot of them were uh, maybe a little bit cheesy, maybe a little bit underdone. Uh, a lot of the characters were underwritten, and even some of them were overwritten, I think, because there was like a five-minute segment where they went into Jason Clark's Gang of Thugs. They went into detail about where they come from and some of their background, and while I love character development, and I'm all for it, I think in this aesthetic and in this environment, that is unnecessary, and it's things like that that make this film feel like it's way longer than it really needs to be. It's not just that. There was a lot more that goes into it, but that's just one of those things that, you know, I don't care about the henchmen that are more unlikely going to be killed throughout this movie anyway. I don't need to know their backstory. I want, if you're going to give me character development, give me something from Channing Tatum, which they do. Give me something more from Jimmy Fox or something more from Jason Clark's character, who is the main henchman, I guess, if that's what you want to say, of the bad guys. And he's the one they do focus on the more. But if you're going to go into it more, give me more of them. I don't need to know the backstory from expendable characters that you don't that don't get a whole lot of screen time to begin with. Right. I mean, I didn't really care for any of the characters except for James Woods' character. I think he gives the best performance, and I think he knew exactly what kind of movie he was in, and he knew exactly what kind of performance to give. And like I said earlier, Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx, they're really good actors. They're very funny actors, but they just their chemistry, their relationship was just straight run-of-the-mill, generic-type stuff, and I just didn't care for it. I'll disagree with you a little bit. I I, I will agree in the fact that their on-screen chemistry um, isn't really shown a whole lot, and it, and it probably could have been exploited a little bit better. But that being said, I did like them. I thought they were good, and they made me laugh. I thought they were funny. I'm not sure if Jamie Foxx came across to me as a very serious president. I don't know if yeah. I bought into, into him as a president necessarily. Yeah. But, you know, given the decade that we're in, given the president, the current president that we have in real life, I think he kind of just brings that young swagger-type president that – I think a lot of people are looking for that a lot of people want. And I think something that fits the timeline that we're in in real life, I do think it fits that. I just have a hard time 100% believing Jamie Foxx as the president. But I do get the aesthetic that they're trying to bring to us. Um, but overall, I still enjoyed it. And I still had fun with it. I still had fun with the cheesiness. I still had fun with the action. Um, especially when you compare this to Olympus Has Fallen, I had much more fun with it. I don't. I do think it's pretty much run of the mill. I don't think it's fantastic by any means, um, but I did have a lot of fun with it. And while you were saying that you only got into James Woods' character, which I did like, I liked the character that Channing Tatum plays here because he is a father who is trying to restore relationship with his daughter. And that's mostly who he is in this movie. You're not going to get that from the trailers, and you're not going to get that from reading uh, any sort of short premise on what this movie is about. 
but Channing Tatum's character is one where he is trying to restore this relationship with his daughter, who he has has not had one since he was in the military, since she was been born for the most part. And the movie pretty much picks up where he is trying to be back into his life. He's not doing necessarily a great job of that, but this is what he's trying to do. And because his daughter is into politics, she's into that whole scene, loves Jamie Foxx's character as the president, and he gives her gets her a tour of the White House, which is where they find themselves. That's how they find themselves in the White House when all this craziness goes down. And But it's in the middle of that that you get this relationship-building moments between Channing, Tatum's, um, Channing Tatum as the father and his daughter. And I thought that there were some interesting um, characteristics there between the two of them. And, and there was a couple of moments that I thought was funny. And I, and I liked that. I liked the whole idea of a father trying to restore something that has been lost, something that he knows that he can't get back because he was gone for so long. And he is trying to build something new and create a new foundation where he can have a better relationship with his daughter and with his ex-wife now. And I love that. I love that's how they played it off. And that was pretty much throughout the whole movie. So even while he's in these moments of trying to help the president uh, get out of these situations and trying to save him and all that sort of stuff, that is really just masking his real motivation here, which is saving his daughter. And there are moments where he leaves the president, he leaves Jamie Foxx's character, and he goes to try to save his daughter and gets into some awesome action fight scenes. And that, to me, was one of the main reasons why I had a lot of fun with this film. And even that's generic, run-of-the-mill, unoriginal. That's been, that theme's been done a million times over, and it wasn't done very well in this. Uh, if anything, it wasn't, they could have explored it a little bit more and made me actually care about him finding, getting his daughter and not her surviving because I didn't care. I mean, she could have died early, which would have been okay because then the movie would have ended a lot earlier. Uh, but, you know, one her we just talked about performances, and I thought the daughter's performance was by far the worst. I, I would th- agree with that. I thought she was terrible. I would agree with that. And uh, first of all, no kid, no teenager, especially a girl, likes politics as much as she does. Uh, let's be well, real. Well, we don't we don't know that to be true, let's but be real. most likely. Let's be real. I think she knew more about the politics than Jamie Foxx's president. Well, yeah, did. like she was answering every question on the tour that yeah. the guy was asking. Uh, but yeah, I thought she was awful, and her big, her quote unquote big moment at the end of the f- movie that was a was joke. It was bad, laughable. Yeah, it wasn't done. That was that was the moment of the film where it felt the most like Olympus has fallen with this crazy, cheesy, dramatic, trying to take itself serious kind of moments that didn't come off very well. I would agree with that. One of many cheesy scenes. Yeah, I I think the first one where I was like totally, I'm all completely off. Terrible was when they're taking the tour of the White House. And the tour guide shows him a picture of the White House burning down. And he says something like, this was the only time the White House has been destroyed except in the movie Independence Day. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> this movie's awful. That was like not that far into it. Then. Yep. Hey, that was Roland Emmerich giving a little shout out to his old, his old stuff. No, that's, no, no, no. Well, Going back to the Channing Tatum thing and his character, 
I I do agree that it probably could have been explored a little bit more, but I do like that story from his character's perspective, and I like the idea of that theme. And I can't buy into your argument, though, that this theme has been done a million times before, blah, blah, blah. By this point in film and in any sort of narratives, every theme has pretty much been explored a thousand times in a thousand different ways. So I can't really buy into that argument a whole lot. But what I can buy into is it could have been explored better. Part of it was the performance of the daughter, as you were talking about, is not very good. And that could have been done a little bit better. But from Channing Tatum's point of view, and that's mostly what I was referring to from Channing Tatum's character's perspective, that's what I liked. And that was engaging to me because as someone who is he's someone that is wanting to do something better for himself and he's wanting to restore relationships that have gone south. And I think that's something that most people can relate to. And while it's kind of centered around him and the white house doing all these action set pieces and all this fun stuff, you know, that's one of the core things about his character though. And that's what I enjoyed. And that's mostly what I was getting to with that. Okay. Just kind of a side thing about that was, uh, I didn't even buy that he was, her father because she's way too old and he's way too young <laughs> i didn't believe that at all i didn't believe that he yeah i could see that a little bit yeah i mean he does come i mean he did play a high schooler in 21 jump street yeah. last year yeah. crying out loud so yeah i could i could buy into that i guess a little bit but i mean i did like it though i guess i liked the theme of all of that um, well, let's talk about the script a little bit. And again, without trying to go into spoilers, this movie gets really long, probably could have ended 30 minutes sooner. I, yes. again, I can't buy into your argument that action movies can't be this long because most of them are nowadays, but it has to be done right in order for it to be legit and for it to feel like it, that's okay. And I don't think this movie does a very good job of that either. It does go on very long and could have been ended a lot sooner. There's a couple of twists and turns. Uh, again, can't go into without giving spoilers away. But Nate, what did you think of the overall script, especially toward the second and third acts of this film? Well, first of all, an action movie can be that long if it's you know if the story comes first, like in you know The Dark Knight, The Avengers, uh, Man of Steel, where the story, the characters come first and the action second. Then that's fine. But the story in White House Down was terrible. No, it was just awful. The dialogue wasn't very good. Uh, the second and third acts, just I was half asleep during that time. I wasn't on board at all. It was, like I said, it was long, boring. It wasn't engaging. I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care about what was going on. And that all comes back to the story. It just wasn't up to snuff, which is kind of, Sad considering uh, James Vanderbilt wrote it, and uh, he's a pretty good. He's a pretty good writer. He did uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. He's done. He's doing that whole series, and he did uh, David Fincher's Zodiac, which uh, is a great movie as yeah, well. So yeah. I was kind of disappointed on that level. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm not too far off from you on all that. I was a little bit more on board with that. I didn't really care for how much twisting and turning that the script had, especially toward the third act of the film, which I felt like every 10 minutes there was some sort of turn or some sort of development that really didn't need to be going on. Especially there was one particular character that is in the film, and I feel like 
I can't go into it without giving spoilers away, but by the end of the film, there's a turn that happens and you see, I felt it coming a mile away. It was something that I felt was set from the very beginning. Like his performance was so on the surface. And so just, I felt like foreshadowing the whole time. Like I just didn't believe it at all. And so when that turn happened, it was all, it was just almost like, oh yeah, like, man, that sucks that that happened. I guess I'm, I guess I'm going to have to do something about it now. Kind of, I mean, that's pretty much what his acting was like. And I just, I could not get on board with that at all either. And it just was coming a mile away. The whole third act of the film really started to dive down for me. I felt like the setup I was okay with. Like I said, I liked the the whole father-daughter thing. I liked getting to know Jamie Foxx a little bit, even though I didn't believe in him as the president a ton. And I liked the middle action set pieces. And the only thing about the third act of the film that I did like was the action, especially the final fight scene between Channing Tatum and Jason Clark was pretty awesome. Um, I didn't really care for how they exploited the, mil- the U.S. military again either. Uh, this is that was one of the major that was one of the major problems I had against Olympus Has Fallen. And again, I have a lot of the same issues here. It's not quite as bad, not quite over dramatic like it was in Olympus Has Fallen. But again, just one of those things where I wasn't on board with a whole lot of that stuff either. Well, Nate, did you have? Uh you have any final thoughts and uh, what kind of a grade would you give White House Down? Uh, just like I said, I thought White House Down was a very generic run-of-the-mill action movie. I didn't care for really any of it except for James Woods' character and performance, which I didn't even know he was going to be in the movie, honestly, until I saw it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I liked him. I liked uh, that they played a Rolling Stones song at the end. But other than that, I kind of hated this movie, and that's why I'm giving it a D plus. All right. Well, uh, Nate didn't like this movie at all, and we had some nice, fun conversation when we got out of the theater too. Um, I, I, I'm not hugely on board with this movie either. Uh, I did have lots of issues with it. Um, a, a lot of the same things that I had with Olympus Has Fallen. Um, I just felt like they exploited too much. But that being said. I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I did Olympus Has Fallen. It's not the best summer action movie I've ever seen in my life by any means, but I did enjoy some of the central themes uh, that you had going on here. I did enjoy the performances by the main characters for the most part. I thought it was funny. I thought it was charming at times, and I just had fun with it. So even though it was kind of dumb and just wasn't really well written at all, I still had fun with it. Uh, through most of the film. The third act, I wasn't quite on board, especially the latter um, part of the third act was really bad for the most part. But um, but I had fun with it still. And um, and for that, I gave it a very generous B-. minus. Um, Could have been way worse than that, but um, but it was okay. I, I, I didn't think it was the worst thing I'd ever seen, and if you can lay down expectations and lay down realism and just go in and enjoy a popcorn flick, uh, this can be funny and be entertaining, and you'll walk out going, I'll never have to see that again, and that's perfectly okay, which is why I went with the B-. So anyway, um, be sure to go check out my full review uh, on the website at incessionfilm.com. You can also see my video review for this on our website and also on our YouTube channel, Uh, so go and check all that out. If you agree or disagree with our thoughts on White House Down, uh, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page. 
at facebook.com slash film or tweet us at film. You can also leave us a comment on our Google Plus page or on Letterboxd where our usernames are in session film. And you can also email us at insessionfilm at gmail.com. The In Session Top 3 is next. We're going to be going over our top three movie presidents, which should be a lot of fun. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. listening to the In Session Film Podcast for episode 19. Now we're going to be discussing our top three movie presidents. So Nate, uh, before we get into it, did you have any specific criteria this week to pick your list? Uh, I just sort of used my usual, just my favorites, and also just I used presidents of, from movies that I've actually seen. Yeah, well, that would kind of make sense too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm... I, I, this was actually one of the very few weeks I didn't really have any criteria going into this. I just kind of, you know, picked three that I really enjoyed and um, three that I thought was done really well. Not necessarily the most fun that I had, but just three that I thought was performed really well. That's kind of mostly the direction I was taking. All right, Nate, so what's your number three? My number three uh, would be Frank Langella's performance as Richard Nixon and Ron Howard's Frost Nixon from 2008. Uh, Frank Langella, uh, he really shines in this role, uh, which he was nominated for an Oscar for. Yes. Uh, And he really does a good job of embodying Nixon, uh, just his mannerisms, his arrogance, his intellect, and uh, just his his interactions with uh, the interviewer, uh, David Frost. Uh, it's he's it's just excellent, and he just does an amazing job, and uh, I loved his performance in that. And that is a very solid choice, sir. I really enjoyed that quite a bit. My number three, uh, is going to be the nineteen ninety seven film Air Force One with Harrison Ford as President James Marshall, which was directed by Wolfgang Peterson, and. Uh, this was one of the more fun Harrison Ford uh, pr- characters, especially as a president, that I really enjoyed. I know he's mostly known for, you know, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all that stuff. But, um, you know, as this movie was coming out in 97, you know, he was kind of playing this president that was kind of uh, mirrored toward Clinton, who was president at the time, as this kind of rare, sort of youthful, vigorous kind of guy that's on the job. Uh, but with this one... Uh, he was a little bit different here where he was more of this kind of, you know, action kind of a guy, this badass, just 
not gonna take any crap from anybody type of a president and you know fighting off the terror the terrorist on uh, air force one which i thought was a little bit silly but you know when you're looking at it now especially with the events that's happened over the last decade it's really a lot more plausible and then what you'd get in say white house down or something like that so um, but I thought he does a great job, and obviously he has the iconic get-off-my-plane line, which I thought was just fantastic, and it's obviously been parried uh, over the years for sure. And um, I, I think he plays a fantastic president. I think he's just one of those guys that when you know when things aren't going very well, he's the guy that can come in and have some pretty amazing things happen and come up with some great ideas. I feel like he's also the kind of president that he wouldn't get any crap from Congress. I feel like you know this wouldn't go into this the movie doesn't go into this territory at all, but I think it would be fun to see him you know, just Harrison Ford, just his personality and that president specifically just kind of deal with Congress. Hey, I don't think he'd take any crap from, from any of them. But I think that would be kind of fun to see. And I just, I had a lot of fun with him as that president and it was uh, it was pretty entertaining. And, and the character was engaging to me. I, I liked him as that character, as someone that really cared for his people, the people that were close to him and his family especially. And uh, I just thought he uh, was fantastic in the role, so that was my number three. Well, that was your number three, and uh, that's my number two. Uh, and you pretty much said everything, so <laughs> I don't really know what else there is to say. Uh, Indiana Jones and Han Solo as the president. I mean, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, th- well, in a crazy turn of events, your number three is my number two. <laughs> wow. And I'm going to go to the Frank Langella in Frost Nixon in 2008. And like you said, he uh, was nominated for an Oscar for this role. I thought he was fantastic uh, and just really doing a stunning uh, depiction of President Nixon um, in this role. And uh, what's really interesting is, and I was kind of reading some um, journals and just kind of some articles where some uh, some journalists were saying that uh, that were around Nixon at this time, saying that he they that Langella just really depicted him and covered him amazingly well uh, during all of this craziness that was going on. That he just convincingly became Nixon, um, you know, with the mannerisms and the paranoia, the social awkwardness. Uh, just a lack of personal, just kind of the lack of personalism that kind of that kind of defined Nixon by a lot of people that were close to him, and uh, and even just to uh, a couple of them said even little things like the facial expressions, the grunts, you know, breathing patterns, things like that was pretty much right on for the most part. It was what some of these guys were saying, so uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. And when I'm watching the movie, I think the performance is pretty spot on from what I know. And I thought he did a fantastic job job. There is very believable. Um, you know, and it was really neat kind of seeing how Nixon kind of loses, kind of loses things. And when the tables are turning, he realizes he's not in control of the interview. Um, that's when the movie get really interesting. It was really fun and, um, really enjoyed the movie quite a bit because of that. Yeah. Good choice. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, Nate, what's your number one? All right, my number one uh, top movie president is Daniel Day-Lewis's depiction of Abraham Lincoln in last year's Lincoln, uh, which was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, 
I mean, we've talked about this performance uh, a couple of times on the podcast. Uh, he won an Oscar, and he isn't just playing Lincoln. He is Lincoln. Euclid's first common notion is this. Things which are equal to the same thing are equal to each other. That's a rule of mathematical reasoning. It's true because it works. Has done and always will do. In his book, hmm, Euclid says this is self-evident. You see, there it is, even in that 2,000-year-old book of mechanical law, it is a self-evident truth that things which are equal to the same thing are equal to each other. Uh, he does an amazing job. I think it's probably one of his best performances he's ever given, which is saying a lot. Uh, yeah, and he just does kind of all the same things we uh, talked about with Frank Langella, just his mannerisms, uh, the way he tells stories. I mean, I could just listen to him tell stories all day long, and that would be interesting and engaging. I mean, it's just it's a once-in-a-lifetime performance he gave. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And what's really weird and interesting about what's going on right now on the Incession Phone podcast is that Nate and I's top three is pretty much exactly the same, which is the first time this has happened on, on the show. And my number one is easily Lincoln here, too. Uh, like Nate said, Daniel Day-Lewis is just amazing. He just he looks exactly like Lincoln. Yeah. You know, he plays him amazingly well. Um and he just becomes Lincoln. Like you almost forget who the actor is. You think that, "Oh man, they captured this awesome footage of the 16th president. How did they find this?" Like that's just kind of where you're sitting um and you're just like Nate said, you could sit around and listen to him tell stories. Um, as he, which he does throughout the movie, there's a couple of times where he just stops everybody in their tracks and just starts telling stories randomly. Mm -hmm. And it's still engaging and it's fun. And you're like, I could just listen to this old guy talk for, forever on just what felt like nonsense. Uh, but what was really interesting is not just the way that he becomes the president and how he in acts in this environment with the war going on and things like that. But there's some interesting family dynamics that he has going on here you know, with his wife and with his oldest son who is wanting to become enlisted into the army and he's trying to convince him to not join the army. You drafted half the men in Boston. What do you think their families think about me? The only reason they don't throw things and spit on me is because you're so popular. I can't concentrate on, on British mercantile law. I don't care about British mercantile law. I might not even want to be a lawyer. It's a sturdy profession and a useful one. Yes, and I want to be useful, but now, not afterwards. I ain't wearing them things, Mr. Slade. They never fit right. The missus will have you wear them. Don't think about it. You're delaying. Them. That's your favorite tactic. Be useful. You won't tell me no, but the war will be over in a month. But what's really fun and interesting, I guess, with what Daniel D. Lewis does here is he has this just crazy ability to bring Lincoln to life, whether it's dealing with the war, dealing with Congress, or dealing with these family issues, or whatever the case may be, which I think most people can relate with in some ways of going, I have to deal with this, I got to deal with my family, got to deal with my job, got to deal with these different things. And I think that part is relatable on lots of ways. And then when you enhance that to being president, 
not only to being president, but to being Abraham Lincoln. And you're getting lost in that is just such an incredible achievement that only Daniel Day-Lewis can have and is exactly why he deserved Best Actor for the Oscar and the only person to do it three times. And he's just, he's incredible. It's amazing what he can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be able to just get into that, to that role. And that's probably why he only takes gigs every eight years. (laughs) So he can get into that. Once he... Once he picks a role, he is that character the whole time. The whole time they're shooting, he's Abraham Lincoln. Whether he goes out to get a cup of coffee or whatever, he's Abraham Lincoln. And he does, I read that he does all sorts of research on whatever character he's playing. And just, I mean, obviously it shows in his work. He just becomes that person. Absolutely. And it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible to watch. So, yeah, a lot of fun. If you haven't seen Lincoln, you absolutely need to go watch it. He is just phenomenal, and Daniel Day-Lewis is just hes just one of those actors where I'm glad I got to see him in my lifetime. He's hes phenomenal. All right, Nate, well, before we move on, did you have any honorable mentions this week? Yes, I had three. I had uh, Bill Pullman's President Thomas J. Whitmore from 1996's Independence Day. I had Morgan Freeman's President Beck from 1998's Deep Impact. And then I went way old school for the third one, and I am with uh, Peter Zeller's uh, President Merkin Muffley from the Stanley Kubrick classic Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. And that was one of three roles he played in that movie. Yeah. Which all three were excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. My honorable mentions are pretty much the exact same, minus the third one. I uh, loved Bill Pullman in Independence Day, that especially that epic speech he gives three fourths of the way through the movie is is a lot of fun for me. Morgan Freeman is uh, the I guess technically the second black president on in film outside of uh, James Earl Jones in the 70s. Uh, But, yeah, Morgan Freeman does a fantastic job and just one of my favorite roles from him, especially in a sci-fi-type movie. Um, I thought he did a fantastic job and was very believable as the president, which I don't get from Jamie Foxx in White House Down, but I definitely got it from Morgan Freeman uh, and and, uh, Deep Impact for sure. So that is... uh, my honorable mentions as well. Let us know how your picks uh, for top movie presidents stack up against ours. You can email us at intercessionfilm at gmail.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Twitter or on our website at intercessionfilm.com. All right, Nate. Well, before we move on, just wanted to talk about uh, the poll question on our website this week where we asked, will White House Down be better than Olympus Has Fallen? And I know you hated both movies, so how would you answer that question? Uh, that's like comparing diarrhea to vomit, so I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Uh, but uh, not really sure. <laughs> I guess I'd go with Olympus Has Fallen just because I liked how it was serious, and I mean it was kind of brutal. The violence was. You know, yeah, brutal. That's true. It was a lot more violent than White House Down. 
I'm on the opposite side of that. I had a lot more fun with uh, White House Down uh, versus Olympus Has Fallen. But like Nate was saying, it's like you know, it's two two terrible movies. And uh, but everyone on the website, I guess, kind of agreed with me as eighty percent of the people that voted said yes, it will be better than Olympus Has Fallen. So you're very much in the minority. <laughs> Well, did that eighty percent actually see the movie, or were they just? I have no idea. Predicting it, the question was, "Will White House Down be better?" So yeah, I mean, it, people probably just predicting, or maybe they did see it. I have no idea. I have no way well, to gauge that. If they that. saw it, then eighty percent of the people are wrong. I would disagree. I think eighty percent of those people are right. I I didn't care for Olympus Has Fallen at all. It was other than uh, some of the uh, performances. I didn't enjoy Gerard Butler, but. I couldn't get on board with that film at all, but uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll move on. We're starting our Guillermo del Toro uh, movie series next, and we'll be reviewing Hellboy. It's going to get a little hellish in here. We'll be right back. listening to the Incession Film Podcast for episode 19. This week, hell is released on Earth. And we have a devil in our midst to save the day. I'll come to Moscow if you're still going. I am. But I have something to say. I understand what you don't like about me. I do. What I am Makes you feel a little out of place. Out there. Red, I don't... Listen. I'm not like Myers. It makes you feel like you belong. Which is good, really. I wish I could do something about this. I can't. I can promise you two things. One, I'll always look this good. And two, I'll never give up on you. Ever. I like that. Nate, this week we're going to be starting our new movie series on Gilmoro del Toro. And this week we're going to be going over his 2004 film, Hellboy. 
uh, which stars Ron Perlman, John Hurt, Selma Blair, and a few others as well. Uh, so, Nate, uh, what did you think of his 2004 film, Hellboy? I actually really enjoyed Hellboy. Um, I thought I think it, I thought it was a really fun movie. Uh, I thought it was very engaging. Uh, I I I love the character. Well, I shouldn't say love. I really enjoy the character of Hellboy, played by Ron Perlman, and Ron Perlman does a great job of playing him. Uh, I mean, Hellboy is kind of a well, he's a weird character. He's a he's a devil guy. Yeah. But I mean, Ron Perlman actually kind of makes him likable, uh, engaging. Uh, there's actually a little bit of emotion to his character, and that comes across pretty well. Uh, I also like that Hellboy actually didn't have a lot of action. It was more story, story based. Uh, didn't really have a ton of CGI. I mean, a lot of the uh, monsters, the smaller monsters, that was all practical stuff which I thought was really cool. It makes it more believable. And you can tell it, too. Yeah, yes. oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just the last thing I'll say before I, before you can say whatever you want is I think Hellboy is a, one of the most underrated comic book movies out there. And I'm not too far off from you uh, for the most part. I, I do enjoy this movie quite a bit as well. And um, I... Maybe for some different reasons, but um, I like you were saying, this is very story based. Um, it does drive uh, some emotion, and, and and it's not something you really get a ton of, especially the way that Del Toro does, it and the way that he portrays it on screen is I thought was very unique for a comic book movie. And like you're saying, there's not tons of CGI, and it really focuses on the character and all the story of Hellboy. We don't get tons of backstory. I kind of wish they would have gone into that a little bit more. Uh, but given the fact that we find him now on Earth and, you know, present day, which was 2004 when the movie came out, and he's basically working for the government and kind of, you know, destroying demons and different things that they find now in our reality. And, you know, I, th I thought his character is very interesting. He's very humanistic, uh, which is pretty interesting given the fact that he's kind of this devilish, character this kind of demon character that where when you think of a demon or when you think of the devil you don't think of having this nice humanistic type character usually people think the opposite of that which so i thought that was an interesting take um and i don't know the comic book hardly at all so i'm not exactly sure if the backstory goes much further into that or anything like that that i don't know i am critiquing this basically on the movie itself and given that that's the case um I, I i really enjoyed it and i liked that humanistic element that he has you know where he's you know he has this love interest in selma blair's character and you know this other guy is now in the midst and kind of competing with him and trying to compete for this love interest and i love how that was one of the central plots of the whole story was that specific story arc because it ended up being one of the main driving forces, especially toward the end. And I thought that was just really well played, uh, not only by the performance, but the way that Del Toro edits and pieces this together. Yeah, that's done really well. And uh, I like how at the beginning, uh, Hellboy, he kind of comes across as somebody who doesn't care about 
you know, any of the people he's working with. Uh, but then, you know, as the movie goes along, you see that he really does because, you know, some of these people die, some of them are injured, and you see that he actually does care and yeah. he wants to help people. He enjoys helping people. And I really like that part. Like you said, it's very, it makes him very human. Yeah. And I thought that was just such an interesting take on, especially just the stereotypes that surround, you know, a demon or a devil character, mm -hmm. as we were talking about. And that's just really engaging. And one of the best ways that they do this is about, uh, I don't know, probably three fourths of the way through the film, right before they get into the really big craziness that the movie takes in the third arc or in the third act of the film. And there's this moment where he's spying on some of Blair and Rupert Evans characters as they're kind of on this walk down this street and they're kind of having, I guess you could call it a date, but it, I don't think it really was, but it, it looked that way from Hellboy's perspective. And he's kind of just trying to see what was up. But while they're sitting there talking and, you know, just kind of doing, you know, awkward date stuff. He finds himself on this rooftop, on this rooftop talking to this little kid. And they're just there eating some snacks and talking about love and things like that. And I thought that was one of the most interesting moments of the whole film because, you know, you got this devil character that's out there just having this interesting conversation with this eight-year-old kid. And it just really brought him down to earth and on so many levels. And I thought that was really interesting and it was funny and it was engaging, and I thought it just really was one of those character moments that just really separates Hellboy from what you get from a lot of, you know, comic book characters that we see in film. Right, and also during that scene, he he sees uh, Selma Blair's character take a picture of uh, the other guy, and he kind of gets paranoid, like, she took a picture of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she took a picture of him. Yeah. And he just kind of freaks out a little bit, yeah. And, and I think it's just one of those things where I feel like that is so relatable on so many levels where, oh, yeah. you know, you find out that your, you know, your love interest is interacting or flirting with someone else and you kind of, you kind of want to step in and do something about it and you definitely freak out and get paranoid and that's so realistic and so relatable and you put it into this environment and it's just really funny and really engaging and it was really well shot and really just put together fantastically. Yeah. Uh, another thing about the story that I liked was that it had like a an alternate reality, alternate timeline sort of deal uh, where uh, the professor guy, he's like a paranormal advisor to the president. And, you know, the Nazis are using black magic and whatnot to open these gates to bring these monsters, you know, and they say that Hitler... Uh, he doesn't die till 1958 instead of 1942. Stuff like that. I like when yeah. they use like alternate timelines and whatnot. I think that's cool. Yeah, that was really an interesting take, and especially when they're introducing Rupert Evans' character. You know, he's being exposed to this for the first time, and he's just blown away. He's like, "I have no idea what you're talking about," and it was just kind of fun to see that on screen. And you, and then you have you know other different. There's other characters like the masked um, martial arts type guy that's brought in here, which is interesting. We don't really get to see um, his face. Obviously, he has no dialogue, but you just kind of get to see him as an interesting character and someone that, you know, is kind of tough to bring down. It kind of reminds me of Snake Eyes in, in the, in the G.I. Joe universe in terms of 
you know, he, the way that he interacts and the way that he has no dialogue, but he's this martial arts type character. Um, and I enjoyed that. I thought that was kind of fun to see, even though he was on the bad guy side of this instead of the good guys, like for Snake Eyes. But, um, and, you know, then you have the, um, I guess the monsters, the main monsters that Hellboy has to, to fight that uh, has a hard time dying. And it's really interesting to see how he has to figure out how he can beat them. And I thought that was pretty funny and pretty engaging too, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a it's a really good movie. It's I was actually surprised by it. Yeah, me too. I it wasn't I don't, it wasn't one that I saw when it first came out. I wasn't entirely interested in it, uh, but uh, after watching it, I did enjoy it, and um, it was probably it was probably my first exposure to Del Toro when I first saw it back in the day. So. Um, it was a good rewatch, and I enjoyed watching it, getting prepared for uh, for this series this week. So it's, yeah. it's a good movie. Yeah, it is. Well, well, any final thoughts on what kind of grade would you give Hellboy? Uh, Hellboy, uh, for me, fun movie, engaging. Uh, you know, I love the character. Well, I'm not going to say love. I really like the character of Hellboy, played by Ron Perlman. I thought he gave a very solid performance. And I think it's just a very underrated comic book movie i think del toro did a great job with it and uh the sequel hellboy 2 the golden army is even better and uh you know if you haven't seen that one definitely go check out that but i'd give hellboy uh i'd give hellboy b plus yeah i'm right in that same ballpark as you i really enjoyed it too it's i'd like it it's not my favorite comic book character or my favorite comic book movie by any means but it's one of those where you watch it and you get a nice surprise out of it and i like the character i love the love interest and the love story and the way that whole story arc is pieced together um and especially uh the you get a little glimpse of that in the clip that we played earlier and I just love how this whole story comes together. I thought it was done fantastically. And like Nate said, uh, uh, the second one is even better. So it's it's really great. It's it's a really good surprise. And I would uh, give it a grade of a B plus as well. It's, it's very good. I enjoyed it. So that was our review of Hellboy, uh, the first movie in our Guillermo del Toro movie series. Uh, be sure to see the whole series and reviews of all these films up on our website at InCessionFilm.com. Uh, just click on movie series under the podcast tab on the site. And again, we'd love your feedback. Please get a hold of us. We'd like to know what your take is on this. As we're going to be doing Gamora Del Toro, we'd absolutely love to hear from you on your thoughts on all this. You can leave a comment on our website as Nate will have a review of this um, probably in the next couple of days that you can see on the sessionfilm.com or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Now we're going to finish off the show with some uh, some fun news items and some movies we've seen this week, and I got to see some some favorites of mine, so stay tuned. We'll be right back.
are listening to the Incession Film Podcast. This is episode 19. So, Nate, we have some fun news items that we're going to go over. First one we're going to go over is a little bit of something we talked about last week uh, when we were talking about Independence Day 2. Uh, but this time, um, we're going to go with some more of the other characters. After we after with, last week, we talked about Will Smith mostly. Uh, but it's been announced that Bill Pullman and Jeff Goldblum are for sure coming back for Independence Day 2, reprising the exact same roles they had in the first film 20 years ago. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on that? Do you like that? I do like that. Although, uh, I don't think Jeff, what made Jeff Goldblum's character uh, so good was just uh, the chemistry and relationship he had with Will Smith's character. And it's already been reported that Will Smith's not going to be in Independence Day 2. Yeah, and Rich, we went into that quite a bit last week. Yeah. Why wow, that's a dumb decision, but yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I I I like this idea. I'm kind of interested, more interested in Bill Pullman's uh, and how his character is going to fit into this because now he's an ex president, yeah. which means there will be a, another current president that will have to deal with whatever this crazy situation is going to be now. So unless. America loves him so much. They re-elect him a third time. <laughs> He's been the president for the last 20 years as well. <laughs> you think that's what's going to happen? He's still it's president. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I guess I guess so. In his movies, he could do whatever he want in a movie. Uh yeah, I I don't I don't know, uh, you know, because you know, when you think about, you know, things and how, you know, the situations that are going on today, you know, how often do former presidents how relevant are they in terms of what's going on politically or what's going on in these major news events that are going on? And, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, is, he has his foundation. He's doing lots of great stuff. And I'm sure George Bush is doing the same thing. We're not getting into politics here. But my point is, you know, do people really talk about them as much? And how much decision making do they have after they're not president anymore? And, I would argue that, you know, it's very little. I'm sure, depending on how you feel about them, if you like those certain presidents, that you'll still follow them after the fact. But when you're talking about a major news item or a major U.S. event, they're not going to have a whole lot of pull or say, at least, the, you know, from what we get in our culture, we don't really see that a whole lot. So I'm, my question is, how relevant would he still play as a former president from 20 years ago? But... It's movies, and you can do whatever you want. I'm just he saved throwing America. out a logical... He saved America from an alien invasion. <laughs> That's true. I guess that would be like 20 years... Like if Abraham Lincoln isn't shot and killed in 20 years after the Civil War or something happens, I'm sure they would still go back to him. Yeah. You know, what would Daniel... Maybe that's what happened. Daniel Day-Lewis will come back as Abraham Lincoln, and he'll save the day with Bill Pullman. That would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a nice twist. <laughs> It'll be a nice twist. Well, um, well, if Will Smith doesn't come back, what do you think Jeff Goldblum's character? How how will he fit in? That's a good question. Well, there's the other story arc that you're forgetting, and while I think the dynamic between Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum was interesting, I do agree with you on that. But there was the story arc where Bill Pullman and Jeff Goldblum didn't get along, and they had some history. They were they. They weren't the best of friends, you could say. So it'd be interesting to see how that's developed over the last Maybe years. Bill Pullman will play the Will Smith role <laughs> in the sequel. <laughs> Maybe. 
<laughs> but they said that they're going to reprise each other's characters. So you think he's going to double, double, double dip there on the characters? Well, he doesn't have to be Will Smith's character. He can just play that role and be kind of the, the team with Jeff Goldblum. Okay, I see what you're saying. I guess because he is a fighter pilot, too. Yeah. Let's not forget that. So he'll be the leader of all the Air Force jets that we'll have now in this one. Yeah, I can't imagine those two being the main characters in the movie because they're old. <laughs> they are old. They are. They don't even look the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're, they'll most likely be... They'll be in it, but they'll it'll probably be like Jeff Goldblum's character in Jurassic Park. You know, he's in the movie, has some fun stuff to say, and then half of the movie he's not really in it. Maybe. Something like that, maybe. All right, well, uh, let's move on to the next thing. And I know I can't wait to uh, get your thoughts on these next two items. Uh, but the first one I want to talk about is, Nate, I am not kidding you. There is a new movie coming out. Sony has bought the rights, and they're going to be doing a movie of Captain Planet. What do you think? Captain Planet, he's <laughs> our hero. Uh, um, well, I watched this show all the time as a kid, uh, but now, uh, since I've heard this news come out and I've seen the pictures, it doesn't look like it holds up very well. So, and they're gonna make this live action. Yeah, that's even like. What, you I look would at love the- to see an actor <laughs> dressed up as Captain America because that's just ridiculous. I know you look at him; he's got you know he's got the muscle thing going on. He's got you know like the red cape and the green hair, like the the mullet green hair. Yeah, <laughs> which is even the best part. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting, you know. But who would you like to see play Captain Planet? Is there any actor that you think could pull off the green mullet and red? And blue spandex? Hmm. Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Sam Rockwell could pull that off? You Maybe. <laughs> yeah. he, he can pull off anything. That's very true. Now, would he be willing to do it? That is a question. <laughs> I don't think any actor is going to be <laughs> willing to dress up like that. Yeah. It really doesn't hold up. Like, like you, I watched this quite a bit growing up. And when you're a little kid, you're into it. You're having fun with it. And you watch it now 20 years later, and you're like, holy Lord, that doesn't hold up at all. And what's interesting about this is the fact that the main generation that watched this is now in their late 20s and 30s. And I don't know if they'll want to see this all this time later when the kids nowadays probably don't even know who Captain Planet is. I don't think there's a Captain Planet for this generation, as far as I know. I don't watch kids' TV shows anymore, but I don't think that there is. And the demographic that it would be reaching out to is our demographic. And I, and like we were just joking around about the way Captain Planet looks and how cheesy it is, I'm not sure if that'll come off screen very well. This would have to be directed and edited and shot extremely well for it to come across relevant at all. I feel like. So I don't know. They might change it up and modernize it. I feel like they'd have to. Yeah, they'd almost have to. Because the yeah, the cartoon now just looks it looks a little bit ridiculous. I just can't get over that green mullet. <laughs> it just looks ridiculous. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. All right, Nate. Well, let's move on. I feel like we could talk about that forever. 
let's finish off our new segment with uh, This Is The End. Sequel. Coming out to This Is The End. Possibly. Evan Goldberg was talking um, and was saying that while it hasn't been announced, it hasn't been official by any means, but um, he was saying that there's a good chance they'll do a sequel if they can get all the people they want to come back together. And he was saying that Seth Rogen probably wouldn't want to do it, but he also said that there's a good chance they will do it. So, um, quote, he said, we have a lot of fun ideas, a heaven and a hell, for example, and a Garden of Eden Eden version where Danny McBride is Adam, end quote. That was just a part of what he was saying, in which you can read all of that on our site at InSessionFilm.com. But Nate, what do you think about a sequel to This Is The End? I don't think it's necessary at all, but uh, it sounds like uh, they kind of want to offend people a little bit more. Yeah. What is also interesting about this is it looked like it also saying that they, the concept is a very meta concept where all all the actors would be getting together to go to the premiere of the movie, This is the End. So that's kind of where this movie would base off of them going to the premiere for this movie. <laughs> For for the first one, yeah, so. that just seems stupid to me. I'm not a huge meta concept fan either. But that being said, let's let's be realistic. Though it doesn't matter what environment or what aesthetic you guys put these these guys into. Like what was funny was them making fun of themselves and what and them playing off each other or making fun of their old acting jobs and different things like that, like them playing an exaggerated version of themselves, as we talked about when we reviewed this. That's mostly what makes this movie awesome and what makes it fun. And it, I feel like if they can carry that to whatever environment, which they probably could, especially if it's written well and they pretty much do the exact same thing, I feel like it could work well because that's mostly what this, that's what worked and that's why the movie was so good and so funny was that not necessarily the environment they were in. I mean, sequels for comedies are usually more miss than than hit. And uh, just because, I mean, we've already seen it. We've already seen gotten most of the laughs, so I don't know if... I don't know if they can catch lightning in a bottle again. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the fact that it has been done before, you know, that is a good point, and that maybe people won't be as interesting, but... I think if they write it really well and if they just let the actors pretty much do what they did in this one, just let them go and capture, you know, how good they are as actors, I feel like it could come across well, especially if the main story is written well, like I feel like it was for this movie. But I'm not a huge meta fan by any means, so I'm not exactly 100% on board with that idea, but I like the idea of them playing exaggerated versions of the, of themselves and making fun of themselves, so no matter what environment you put them in, I would be on board for it. It might not be as good, but I'd still be on board for it. I wouldn't be surprised if this comes out that he was just joking. Possibly. And he could be. I mean, it's, knowing it's, these guys... that's too bizarre, too... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So, all right. Well, uh, Nate, did you get to see any movies this week? Uh, other than the ones uh, we saw in theaters, uh, which we also saw Schindler's List, which we'll talk about on the extra film uh, segment. Uh, the only other one I saw was I saw Monsters University again in the theater. 
I saw it in 3D this time, which don't waste your money on the 3D. It doesn't add anything to it. 3D doesn't add anything. No, nothing. Uh, okay. But my opinion on, you know, the movie doesn't change. It's still not even close to as good as the first one. Well, I would disagree. On and you can go listen to Nate and I bicker about that on our extra film segment last week. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was done pretty well. I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. So, um, but and I think I'm a bigger 3D fan than you are. So I'd be kind of interested to see it. I know the fiance has been wanting to see it, so maybe I'll take her to see it in 3D this week. Okay, I'm <laughs> telling you, there's no. I I don't know. Added... I, hey, I respect your opinion big time. So. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I obviously haven't seen it in 3D, but I do like the movie and I do like the story and where it comes from. I thought it was done pretty well. Yeah, it was good, just not great. Yeah, which is what I'm expecting from Pixar. Uh, I actually saw another movie. Just remembered, uh, I forgot about it because it wasn't very good, and that's Idiocracy. <laughs> I was just about uh, to say. we yeah. saw that <laughs> on Monday, I think, and it's very forgettable. Yes, it's. Stupid. It's a movie for idiots. Hence the title. So <laughs> yeah. just beware. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, it's very dumb. It'll take you down a couple levels for yes. sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, is that all you got to see? Yep. yep. All right. Well, I got to see quite a few movies uh this week. Um and but I'll start with the one that I'm gonna talk about the most, and that is the movie Deception, uh, which is the two thousand eight movie starring uh, Aaron McGregor, Hugh Jackman, and Michelle Williams. And Nate, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but uh, basically Serena centers around an accountant uh, that is introduced uh, to this mysterious sex club uh, known as The List um, by Hugh Jackman's character. Um, and he's kind of, Aaron McGregor kind of plays this kind of loner guy. He hasn't had a whole lot of luck in the female department and so when he's introduced to this world, he kind of gets captivated by it and, it and just really gets um, really drawn into it. And when he meets up uh, with Michelle Williams' character, he really falls in love with this girl. It's not really about sex, um, but it's mostly just about having fun and enjoying yourselves and being in love. And he kind of just gets caught up in that. And then some, you know, some twists and turns come that I can't talk about without going into spoilers. Uh, but basically he... Uh, uh, find himself in an environment that he didn't expect, and it, he all of a sudden has to fight for his life, and and kind of also is fighting for Michelle Williams at the same time. Um, and I thought it was an interesting take on that. It wasn't done entirely well. I, I do I do have a lot of problems with the script. I don't think the script necessarily is all that great, but I do like the character of Aaron McGregor and how he kind of overcomes. Uh, this craziness that is done by Hugh Jackman's character, um, and I mean overall, just it wasn't it wasn't the best thing. It wasn't the best performance I've seen from Hugh Jackman either. But he's okay in the role. I just didn't really care for the story overall, um, so I gave it a C plus. I mean it's it's okay. I think it's worth a one time watch. I don't think you need to see it again outside of that. The other movies I got to see this week, and I'm not going to go into these a ton because I'm sure we'll probably do a series on it at some point. And I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll go into it. And I got to see, I watched all three Transformers films uh, just because I felt like it. (laughs) And I was in the mood. And sometimes I listen to Steve Jablonski, and when I 
hear Steve Jablonski playing in my ears, I get excited. And I love those movies quite a bit. So, and yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> so I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll do a series on them at some point. So I won't get into a whole lot, but. If you do want to talk to me about it, like if you want to know why I really like it, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at InCessionFilm or you can email us InCessionFilm at gmail.com. Any, any way you can get a hold of us, I would love to get into some sort of debate about it. But uh, yeah, love it. And then uh, the fiancé wanted to watch Wreck-It Ralph the other night, so we re- rewatched that as well. And after talking about it last week on the podcast, I got excited to see it again, so... Loved it. It's a great movie, and it was screwed from an Oscar. That's all I'm saying, and I will take that to my grave. So it's a, it's a good movie, not a great one. I uh, will disagree I'll with say you. It's a wholeheartedly. really good movie, not a great one. I will disagree with you wholeheartedly. I, I think will, it is a fantastic movie. movie, and I don't understand how you can sit there and say that and live with yourself. <laughs> I'm still living. I've said that a lot, and I'm still living. I know. I'm I'm not saying that you would be dead. I'm just saying I don't know how you can live with yourself. You should be ashamed because that is a fantastically well-written, edited, and put together. It is cinematic mastery. Just saying. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash film. Also, follow us on Twitter at In Session Film and on Google Plus, where our username is In Session Film. We've been putting up a lot of videos lately, so be sure to check those out on YouTube at youtube.com slash In Session Film. All of our reviews are up on our website as well as Letterboxd, so check us out at letterboxd.com slash In Session Film. And we try to respond to every piece of email we get, so shoot us an email at incessionfilm at gmail.com. And also be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Stitcher, and check out our Listen Now page on our website at incessionfilm.com slash listen now. Uh, we also got some uh, some great apps where you can listen to all of our weekly content, uh, plus some uh, bonus content like our extra film segments uh, that we do every week. In fact, this week we're going to be talking about Schindler's List that we got to see in theaters and also the new movie, The Heat, where you can go and check that out. And we also throw up some some bonus content every week where we talk about uh, the main films that we've seen. We just kind of go into a little bit more, um, we go into a little bit more in-depth uh, uh, with some spoilers there. So um, just fair warning, we usually do some some spoilers with our bonus content on our app, but um, it's uh, some fun conversation that Nate and I like to get into. So you can go and check that out. And you can find that app, app on the Amazon market for Android devices and on the podcast box app for iOS devices. And uh, all of that stuff helps support the weekly show. So uh, we'd absolutely appreciate it if you get that app. And we try to throw some fun and good content in there for you to enjoy outside of the main uh, podcast that we do every week. And all those details are on the site at incessionfilm.com slash apps. So, Nate, that'll do it for this week's show. Next week, we're going to be reviewing The Lone Ranger, (laughs) which Nate is not excited for at all. Maybe Despicable Me, too. I I really enjoyed the first one quite a bit. Did you like the first Despicable Me? I did, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited for that, too. Uh, So maybe we'll do that one. Uh, but Nate, before we get out of here, did you have any final thoughts on anything? 
No, just uh, don't waste your time or money on White House Down. Uh, go see something good instead. <laughs> Man yeah. Of, Man of Steel. Uh, what else? World War good. Z. World War Z. This is a good one. It's yeah. very good. Yeah. Oh, Monsters University is still Monsters worth going University. to see. Yeah. So, um, and I'm sure this book will be too. Be good next week. We definitely go see that as well. Um, and next week we're going to be continuing our Gamora del Toro series as well, which we haven't landed it, but maybe we'll do Kronos, um, which is one of his earlier, earlier films. It's a Spanish film from 1990, I believe. So I'm interested to see that. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, so, yeah, be sure get, to get a hold of us. Give us some feedback. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter, at In Session Film. Find us on Facebook. We're always posting lots of fun stuff. And we got some cool videos on our YouTube channel where we're throwing up news, videos, movie reviews, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, some even behind-the-scenes type stuff. So, yeah, it's all, it's all good stuff. So check us out. We'll see you guys next week on the In Session Film Podcast. Mm-hmm.